0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is the fellow who would never not have his auxiliary tanks filled, Larry Brenner. (laughs) How are you, Larry? (laughs)
1: Um, I mean, much like this movie, I am out of (laughs) gas. I'm going nowhere. Uh, Uh It's just I've stalled out, Andy. I... This this movie broke me. It
0: broke me. And of course, the movie we're talking about is 2001: Xenon, uh, the sequel. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I,
1: guys, some of you uh, watch the movies as if it's an assignment that you need to do before the podcast. And I have never felt more strongly about giving you permission. To not watch this movie. You don't hear Andy saying, if you haven't seen it, stop. Go back, (laughs) watch it, and then listen to us. You will not hear it. Mm -mm. uh, Unless you are deeply committed to seeing how bad something can be. And I I said this to Andy a few seconds ago. I feel like I owe the Santa Claus an apology.
0: (laughs) The Santa Claus is watchable. (laughs) It is a watchable movie. This was not. This is how not to write a screenplay. This is like, like, this is riff tracks worthy. Oh, I wouldn't wish this on them. <laughs> I don't know that they're prepared for it. Oh, uh, Lord. Well, uh,. Xenon the sequel. some key facts to set the stage. So Xenon Girl of the 21st Century was a Disney Channel original movie that was supposed to be a series pilot. And we mentioned all of that on season two, episode 19 of this podcast. Now the whole franchise is based on a children's science fiction picture book, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century by Marilyn Sadler and Roger Boland. They're a husband wife writing illustrating team. Xenon the Zequel is the first sequel to be produced under the Disney Channel original movie banner. And like the first- Should have been the last. Should have been the last. They should have been like, we're not doing that again. Well, like the first movie, this piece is written by Stu Krieger. But this sequel is directed by Manny Cotto, who produced the reboot of The Outer Limits for Showtime in 1995. He also created a series, Odyssey 5. You may have heard of that and worked on Enterprise in the early 2000s and later Dexter. Uh, most recently, he created an executive produced Next for Fox. And he's also the executive producer of American Horror Story and American Horror Stories. And he's written quite a few episodes in both of those series.
1: So. I, I have to say, Andy, it, you had told a story about how the original Xenon movie, they were under deadline, um, and the writer went to the beach in the dark, did a rewrite the night before they started like shooting. Yeah, that happened. And I want to say, this movie feels like, they're like, don't mess with success, let's get him back to the <laughs> beach in the dark. That's his process now.
0: Well, um, yeah, if you want to do a really deep dive into Manny Cotto, who is not Stu Krieger, the writer, but the director, you can, yes, check, yes. You can check out The Ticking Man. Uh, there's actually a documentary about that. And it's a movie he sold for, uh, I think, a million dollars in 1990 that never got made. So
1: it's no, a, I, interesting. There's a lot... There's a lot to like in his body of work, oh, and for I sure. am sure. I'm sure when he writes his bio, this is not the first it, credit that he lists. Let me just
0: tell you: in his bio, this is not mentioned at all. Which I think is very compelling. right. Um, okay. So, so also during this movie, Margie tells Xenon to write her history report about the stock market crash of twenty. Uh, 2006. And 2006 is actually the dawn of the financial crisis of the late 2000s. So they were off two years before the big crash. So I think that's kind of...
1: Yeah. Um- <laughs> What a um, this movie is a glimpse into the future. They got it all right. This is this is what it's going to be like, everybody. So Xeon the, two.
0: <laughs> so the characters use Zapads pads throughout the movie. Uh, it's a handheld tablet, and it's not a big deal in 2024, obviously, as we're watching this movie. But the first generation of iPhone actually launched in 2007, and iPad came out in 2010. So this is kind of a forward-thinking film for 2001. You are so kind. <laughs> I mean, I I see moments like that, like I and I will do a, if you if you will allow me, Larry. Like as we go through all of this, I'd like to take a moment to like talk about the things that I think I think there are elements in this movie that are good, and I think that there are things that that could fix it. So we can talk about we can talk about that. I just
1: the, your the, your warm loving heart is on display <laughs> and.
0: No, I won't, I, I, did I, won't. Not, I did not like this movie like I, I promise you in the middle of I think right at the midpoint I was making a grocery list um, and I never do that with these films I really take it I really take uh, a lot of time and care to to watch every frame and I was I was done. Um, yeah.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little bit of pre-production work. So Andy started watching this movie before I did, and I get a text from Andy going, you know, actually, uh, this movie is probably better than the original. I'm about ten minutes in, and like you know, like they've they've really pushed things. And then fifteen seconds later, she goes, it just took a turn.
0: <laughs> it does. It does, and I mean. Yeah, so uh, let's get into the monish Tanah. Let's get into the monish We can talk about why I think this is strong. So.
1: All right, so this movie begins. Uh, when we're talking about the Manish Tonight. we ask, why does it begin where it begins? And this movie begins with one of those, um, what is it called, Zata pads, Z-pads, mm-hmm. um, appearing on the screen and... As if this is going to be a Star Wars style text scroll, huh. but right? I mean, that's that's definitely, how it begins. It's like definitely a read, right? And and they tell us, you know, previously Xenon Carr saved the space day, uh, which is what they call the space station, um, the space day, which I wouldn't bring my pets to, uh, but <laughs> fine. Um. That's what I, that's what I, every time they said spades, spades. <laughs> <Get some pets. laughs> <laughs> Spay and do to your pets um, oh, yeah, and do so. that folks. But yeah, yeah sure. Uh, that's sure. hilarious. <laughs> uh, but, th- and it tells us, it tells us basically, there's a movie called Xenon one. You don't have to watch it because not much happens in it other than Xenon saves the day. And if Xenon one had just been this data pad, Uh, I would have. I think that would have been great. Um, Andy, is this a strong way to open up a movie? No. Uh, Some. Some. But Star Wars does it. Why? Why is it okay that Star Wars does it and Xenon, Xenon doesn't?
0: I think Star Wars did it in a way that uh, is a nod to like the older movies of like Gone with the Wind, MGM. I mean, it's a different way of doing that kind of thing where we read. The you know the grounding of the movie uh, in that space. I think I think once it's been done, you don't do it twice, right? It's a it's a it looks like a copycat.
1: Well, it is a copycat, but more to the point, when Star Wars does it, they are doing world building. Yeah. When this movie does it, they're doing a book report on the previous movie. Right. And and that. That is, they're not setting up the action. What they're actually doing is closing off the last movie before we start this one. It's not actually starting. And you could argue this isn't even the Manish Tana. No. That the Manish Tana uh, is a little bit later when we actually see Xenon. So let's let's take Manish Tana number two. Sure. In this, which is Xenon uh, is walking around the space station. Uh, the Space Day, uh, with her best friend, Nebula, who looks drastically different because she's been recast. (laughs) Um, And we learn that since the last movie, when Xenon saved everybody, her security clearance has been upgraded. She's allowed to go anywhere in the ship at any time. She immediately abuses this power by taking Nebula to this... um, restricted area where she thinks she's found a video game in this restricted area. She's very amazed at this video game, which is Pong, or, or, right, or appears right. to display as Pong, right. but it's actually not Pong. It's the, it's the airlocks of the ship. Right. And as she and Nebula are playing with this machine, stuff from Plank's office, C- Commander Plank who runs the ship, is being sucked out into space, and I need to say this, they almost kill them. They almost kill Commander Plank and the other person <laughs> who comes through. There is a version of this movie where people are sucked out into space because Xenon can't follow directions. In the first movie, It begins with Xenon endangering her own life by doing a spacewalk. In this movie, now she's taking other people's lives into her hands. Uh, She is a monster. She should not be on the space station. Um, And and I hate her from the
0: first moment (laughs) that I meet her. Well, okay. So, again, I think this movie starts with some action and some fun. And like you said, Xenon's in trouble again. It's Dennis the Menace in space with a female protagonist, including, you know, uh, the commander acting as Mr. Wilson, right? Yes. And, and, and I, think it's, I think it's kind of fun thinking that kids are thinking they've invented a video game when they're actually activating cargo doors, right? But as we've discussed many, many times, you only get one lie. And this, yes. and the idea that somebody would just give her security clearance for the whole ship, I'm like, okay, she's a fifteen, right? But you've spent that lie in the first ten minutes of this movie, and not, and not for, only and that, not for a great reason.
1: And then they immediately revoke that security clearance right. from her, right. which. W- Okay, and then we're going to get towards what the inciting incident of this movie is. And this movie doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a lot of stuff that happens, Mm -hmm. but none of it ever seems to go anywhere for a very long period of time. So I'm just going to mention some stuff. And Andy, if you think the (laughs) inciting incident emerges, point it out to me. I'll do my best, Larry. (laughs) So Xenon is being punished, and her punishment is, on the space day, there is a compartment that is dedicated towards picking up signals of alien extraterrestrial life. It has never, ever picked up a signal, Uh, and now Xenon is gonna have to monitor that section sometimes. Uh, That's her punishment for the next three months, and she complains about this, uh, although it is by far a merciful punishment. And if only Zena's like it's so boring down there. To which I want to say, bring a book, bring a book. <laughs> what? What? This is not hard. This is this is not hard time. You bring a board game, uh, something, yeah. cards, something. I mean, she, she
0: ends up with a fidget. I think in one scene, but yeah, for sure.
1: I, I mean, it's dumb. Yeah. So as, as it happens, uh, like the second night she's down there, she, first contact happens. Uh, the, the, the sound, zoom, goes over, over the alien contact. And for some reason, while she's heard it, the device doesn't record it. And that reason is never explained um, it's never explained. It makes no sense. It's just there so that everybody thinks Xenon is crazy when she hears that the alien. Nothing is going to come of
0: this for a while, but other stuff is going to happen. And that's and, that, le- and that's another lie, right? That's another yep. lie because you have a, a a place where you've dedicated manpower. You've dedicated a whole like wing of your space day. Uh, you've you would think that recording that equipment would be a recording that would be of primary importance but it's not and so there's your second lie of the movie and I'm like that's where I said to you okay it's awful now
1: i mean i mean if you're a space station mm-hmm. and you're dedicated to picking up alien signals yeah you can't say to somebody oh but aliens don't exist. I don't you will never yet. get a signal. I don't believe in aliens. Then why are you doing any? This right. is a- <laughs> exactly. Why are you doing any of this? You
0: shouldn't be right.
1: Yeah, it's like the of. Flat Earth Society is up there on the space station, <laughs> looking down at the globe, going, "That's flat. That's flat." I-, I don't care what our lying eyes see from up here. Moving for moving on, moving on. <laughs> Another thing that happens is that Zenon's boyfriend, Greg, from the first movie, breaks up with her and Zenon mildly cares about it. She is a little bit bummed. She's mostly bummed that he broke up with her and not the other way around, it seems to be. Right. But like, she's a little sad. She's not going to cry about it because she doesn't care that much. She is infinitely more upset. That protozoa, her favorite, her favorite singer from, from the, the first microbes, movie, right. <laughs> from the microbes, has disappeared on Earth. That devastates her. Again, again, I can't, I can't with this movie. But also, <laughs> but also, there's another thing going on. Man, I'm making it sound like this movie is action packed. Uh, it is not. <laughs> It is not. But it turns out that the space station is being evaluated because the company that owned it was defeated in the first movie by Xenon. Now the military is taking control of the space station and a general comes up dressed like a mailman um, in the future. All generals dress like mailmen. Uh, that's that's, that's going to happen. Uh, the Postmaster General is actually a military station in sure. Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Uh, comes up, and everyone is concerned because maybe they'll have to go back to Earth. Is there going to be downsizing? Uh, he comes up, and immediately he wants to meet with the most important person on the space station, which is not Commander Plank, which is Xenon. It's the one name he keeps hearing about. So he meets with Xenon because he's got a mission for Xenon, a very important mission. He needs her to watch his daughter, who is Xenon's age, and we are all expected to gasp as Margie, uh, the mean girl that Xenon met in Earth in the first movie, comes onto the space station. Uh Uh-huh. Andy. Yeah, one of these things is an inciting incident. I I don't know which one the movie thinks it is, mm-hmm. but but it's just like every time you think the movie's about to start, they're like, wait. No, there's something else. here there's something else. Now right. the movie's about this. Now the movie it's about a missing band member. It's about it's about this general coming up, and maybe he'll downsize people. It's about the reunion of Xenon and
0: Margie. Right. So, I I honestly think it's about the aliens that she hears when she hears them the first time, because the climax is, of course, the aliens save the space station. Right. Um, right. I mean, so that so is I certainly. Think- but the problem with that is that it's not about Xenon and Xenon is the protagonist. It's about the aliens and their work. So I, the climax is not something that um, I don't. Know, and all of these inciting incidents. Gosh, this movie needs structure. Okay, it's all over the place, and you've alluded to that. I mean, it's mo- it's possible to have multiple dramatic questions. It's possible to have multiple obstacles, but there's no central problem and focus for this protagonist.
1: This this movie is not focused. It just doesn't doesn't know what it is.
0: And there are things that are happening to her that she is not happening to. Does that make sense? Like, she hears the alien's she tries to get and you're like, okay, but then the aliens end up saving her. And she's like, oh, look, and everybody's looking out the window at the aliens, right? She doesn't have anything to do. She just she's almost like uh, a Vanna White, where she just notices things. They're like, Oh, here's an E, you know. <laughs> it, <laughs> I it's it's it's
1: worse than we're describing, honestly. I I, I can't So another thing that happens in this movie is Margie starts blackmailing Xenon into doing everything for her because Margie has the general wrapped around her little finger. And if Margie says to her dad, uh, fire the cars and send them back to Earth, he's going to do it. And Xenon doesn't want to go back to Earth. She's been there, done that. She wants to stay on the space day.
0: So in that though, Larry, is the next lie because you have um, the general is there because the space station is falling apart. It's in a state of decay. People need to leave it. The cars are like, no, this is our home. I'm like, you're floating around in space they're coming to rescue you. You're all going to die. And yet you're committed to this living on something that's falling apart. That makes no sense to me. And again, when we talk about stories, like stories need logic, right? And you have to ask yourself questions about the plot. And this is one of those that you're like, why is he being unreasonable by wanting to evacuate people on a death trap? Right? Honestly, I don't really get it.
1: And I don't I don't mean this to be snarky. Yeah. He's not the villain of this movie. No. And when he comes up and he's like we're going to evaluate each of these things and whatever we don't need we're going to jettison in the hopes of stabilizing the space station, my response is That is totally reasonable. Yeah. When Planck says, we've got this alien observation area, but there's no such thing as aliens, the general's response is, oh, then we should get rid of this area. And everybody is aghast, like, how dare you? You just told him this is an obsolete thing. It's like
0: they're all living in a fantasy land up there in, in Space Station World where there's no story logic at all. He um, he's right. Yeah, Dismantle yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 there's so much there. And and I'll talk more about story logic here in a minute. But you have to ask yourself questions about the plot. Why is this general being unreasonable? If he's unreasonable, does it work? Does it fit? Would it be unreasonable to that to a normal human being?
1: Uh, Listen, the movie I thought I was going to watch. Uh I mean I knew it was Xenon and I knew it wasn't going to go deep. But once they brought in the twist of the military is coming in and taking over, Uh my thought was going to be they're going to convert the space station into a military weapon. This is going to be Ronald Reagan's Star Wars program that we (laughs) talked about during the 80s. Right. Right, It's going to be it's going to be lasers pointed down on Earth. And that's going to be what the story is. The turn the 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 reveal that's going to come later on is he's made the decision that the whole thing has to come down. You can't, the parts he's removed is not enough to stabilize it. Everyone's going to die on this space station if he doesn't decommission it. So he's going to decommission it. What a monster. What a monster. This man is trying to, it doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. sense. Okay. There's another thing that happens, which is now that Margie is on the ship, she becomes popular with all the space station kids, including Nebula. And there is literally a scene in which Margie comes over to Xenon to, uh, and says, I'm having a party uh, in my... I, I, in my in my room, uh, but I need you to write my history paper. And and Nebula is like gonna go to the party, and Xenon's mad that Nebula's gonna go to the party, and they play that scene out as if Xenon is being selfish in wanting Nebula to stand by her. And Nebula, and Nebula like the movie is acting like this is this is Xenon's flaw. And it's the probably the only time in the movie where I was like. I was like, what? Where Nebula's like, you're being unreasonable. You were standing there as this mean girl said to the person who's your best friend, you have to write my paper for, for me mm-hmm. so I can, I can go hang out with everybody else. And you said nothing. Xenon, yeah, later, yeah. <laughs> I, I just got to move us forward a little yeah, bit because I yeah. still don't think the movie's gotten going. So now, Xenon meets with Nebula to make up with Nebula and to apologize to Nebula for for, what, for nothing. For nothing. She did nothing wrong. I'm on your side here, Xenon. Only here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nebula is sad because Nebula's part of the ship has just been decommissioned from the space station. And she and her mother are going to be sent back to Earth. And Xenon pretty much tells her parents that this is not going to stand. as she says something along the lines of, this general's gone to war with other people, but not with Xenon Carr, girl of the 21st century. Although, aren't they all girls of the 21st century? Margie's a girl of the 21st century. So is Nebula. It's the century in which they live um uh, anyway, uh, I, I say this as larry brenner podcast host of the 21st century <laughs> that's right that's right uh, oh my okay. goodness okay so xenon's plan such as it is is to sneak into a crate onto a shuttle which is going back to earth once she's back oh she also figures out i'm sorry God, this movie. Uh, She also figures out that the zoom sound that she's been hearing on the alien part of this is actually the aliens responding to Protozoa's song from the first movie, which had this part that went, zoom, 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 makes my heart go boom, boom, boom. You can see why, I mean, who can, he's a genius to come up with lyrics like that. It's, uh, uh, but the aliens are responding to it, and you know, music is the universal language. They they are trying to communicate, and at one point, they because the space station's down, they're now sending the signals directly to Xenon's uh, data pad. Again, not explained why. Why her? We never, we never know. So, so here's her plan. She's gonna. She needs to get Nebula back on the ship. To do that, she's got to go down to Earth. On Earth, she's got to find Protozoa, get Protozoa to come back to the ship, to play the music, to contact the aliens, to swallow the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. But that's her plan. She, the security, as set up in Xenon 1, the security around uh Transport up and down from a space from the only orbital space station in the world to Earth is notably lax. They don't even X ray things as it comes through, it's just fine. Uh, she gets out, she gets out of the trunk that she's been in. I I have to imagine the g forces have done a number on her body, but she is not covered in her own fluids, so good for her. Uh, and to find out that Margie has also come down to Earth with her, because somehow Margie knew that Xenon was going to do this, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. never explained. Yeah. But beyond that, Margie, what we what we don't know, or Xenon doesn't know, but we know in the audience, is that Margie framed Xenon for kidnapping her down to Earth, because that's a normal thing to do. No, okay. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now that Margie's here, Margie's gonna help. She wants an adventure too. And the movie sort of becomes a buddy comedy between the two of them. Xenon is reunited with Aunt Judy, and then Z- Xenon says, wait a second, how are we gonna find Protozoa? Maybe I should have come up with that kind of the plan. And then she has a conversation with Margie, in which she realizes she says something along the lines of You can always find a songwriter by analyzing their lyrics, uh, and if you you analyze their lyrics, you will find the place that they secretly go to uh, when they do this, which is how, famously, when the Beatles went missing, we tracked them down to a yellow submarine in an octopus's garden. Um, That's where they were. That's Uh, where they were. I thought they were in the strawberry fields forever, but okay. Uh, no, very, very possibly. They were in the sky with uh, diamonds. Um, <laughs> anyway, So this leads them to on a continent-spanning journey where they go into, I think, like a rainforest or a jungle. Uh, Margie slips at one point and falls into poop which I think is the best moment in this movie. It feels feels like a metaphor for what I'm going through. And in fact, they find protozoa, uh, and now they have to... Uh, but Protozoa doesn't want to go back to the space station. He's been there. He's Alexander the Great. He has no more worlds left to, con- to conquer.
0: But then... Zing and zing he's, and to, he's got Rider's block because, you know, Zoom, Zoom, Zoom really, really took it out of him. He's, he's like, zing, 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 makes
1: my heart want to sing. This is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I need the magic back. But what gets him the idea of getting the magic back... Uh, is when Xenon says, but your alien fans need to meet you. And he goes, I do, I do owe it to my fans. So he's on board, but problem, how do they get back onto the space day? Well, Aunt Judy and Commander Plank have continued their loving relationship. Uh, By the way, I want to point out, I want to take a pause here. Andy, part of me wondered if she's going back to Earth is she ever going to meet the boy who dumped her again and get closure? Um, Answer:
0: No. <laughs> he, he must have been on another, working on another movie at that time.
1: No, uh, even also, if he wasn't, he made the right decision. Also,
0: why is Aunt Judy on
1: Earth? She doesn't like being on the space station. Mom doesn't like being on Earth. I don't know. No,
0: no, no. She was on the space station. She was, and, and now she's not. Now she's back home.
1: There, well, she, but she wasn't personnel. She was just visiting. She's Aunt Judy. Oh, okay. she got. She's got no skills up there. <laughs> um, you know.
0: Right. you know. I mean, I mean, the love of her life apparently is up there, and she's like, okay, well, I'll leave you, and you're fine. So, so this
1: is the part of the movie I called. If only space Uber existed, because we spend a half hour trying to figure out how to get Xenon, Protozoa, Margie, and Nebula back onto the ship while the government is hunting them.
0: And y'all, the government, okay, the government, the United States government is hunting, um, I actually my husband very generously watched this movie with me and it was great because he said Man's why a
1: saint. Is, he
0: said why is the army chasing people on ATVs when surely they have more sophisticated equipment than that These are <laughs> these are good questions. Ron. <laughs> yeah at that was the point
1: where I was like huh this movie stopped being realistic. <laughs> that was uh, that was where I started asking questions <laughs> up until then I was on board. Oh, but, but, um, so how are they going to get back on the ship? Uh, so, the way that they're going to get back on the ship is Plank is going to fly down to meet Aunt Judy, but they figure out that Plank is not on the level, so they quarantine Plank. So, Orion and Xenon's mom, Xenon's mom, has a subplot of being a pilot, but now being afraid to fly because she had a child and there's too much to risk. So they're going to fly down. Uh, they, They fly down. Uh, the, everybody gets on the ship, but will the ship go back up and the army's here and, and I don't know why she swallowed the spider, which wiggled and giggled and jiggled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly. Perhaps she'll die. Uh, and, and. They like push the button to, to get back up, and she's like, I'm pushing it, it needs time. Um. The solution to this problem is to keep pushing the button until the button works. It is those of you who love movies and love buttons and love seeing them get pushed, it is high tension, high drama. They fly into space.
0: <laughs> You're doing such a great job. You are I'm doing so you really, hard. You are doing such a great job right now. Good good Thank work. You. Good work, Larry. All right. They fly <laughs> into space because
1: also they were able to decode the coordinates of where the aliens want to meet the humans. Although the aliens should just go to the space day rather than like why why are we like gonna meet somewhere else? Space is vast. Uh and it turns out that one of the things that sometimes happens when you take out a, a spaceship is you forget to fill it with gas. We've, we've all been there. (laughs) Uh, we've taken our car out and we haven't checked and we've had to pull over except they're in space and they're in the orbit of a moon and they quickly realize they're all going to die. Xenon has led them all to their death. Uh, It is only a matter. They have no food. The oxygen will run out and then they will be crushed upon impact. It's very sad. How will, how will this intrepid group Come together as a team to solve this amazing
0: problem in the middle of space. Andy, what so so well, I just want to take a little sidebar here because one of the things that's happening this entire time is that the movie is telling a whole lot instead of showing. You, you assume by Larry's description that you're seeing action, you're really not. No, you're seeing a whole lot of. Uh, sitting you know. around <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thrill as characters look at each other you're getting a lot of telling so it's really getting bogged down uh, you know in the oh we're in the future in space and we need to keep convincing our audience that we're in space and that is the future again and again and again I uh, I mean The take, you know, what uh, there's a good friend of this podcast, he's been on this podcast, Tom Provost, who says to me, has and has been saying to me for years, you don't stop taking time out for the exposition, get that out of the way quickly on the front end, get in, get out of it, and start your story. You don't need to keep convincing the audience again and again that this is happening. And I, I, and honestly, if all those things were cut, like if every time you start cutting this and telling me who Protozoa is and you don't have to keep doing that. Tell me once; I'm, I, I'll remember. But honestly, Andy,
1: I think the problem is this movie doesn't ha- doesn't know which of its stories is its story. Yeah, I think this movie thinks the story is about Xenon and Margie. Yeah, uh, coming well, to understand each other.
0: And I think, and it, I think thematically, you know, there's a value of friendship. There's the importance of sticking together. I think that's where probably tween girls and Disney is going to land with this movie, Uh, Margie moving from you know mean girl to helpful friend. Um the sentiments there, the execution's way off. So if that's the story, then the inciting incident should be Margie is coming. But then And that needs to happen in the first
1: 10, 15 minutes of the movie.
0: Absolutely but we have our
1: audience uh like leaning forward in their seats cuz cuz i just described this dire circumstance in which our crew <laughs> is about to die
0: and this and is exactly how this movie works there's a dire circumstance and then we take time out for this exposition <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then
1: the aliens show up and save them uh-huh. our heroes don't save themselves no The aliens come up and we realize that all of the crappy looking clothes that these students have that these people have been wearing, the shabby sets, the 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 money that clearly didn't go into doing a rewrite on this script have all been saved for this 30 seconds worth of CGI special effects. Uh, making an alien ship appear that seems to be out of pure light. The aliens appear. They are composed of pure light, but they can't talk. Except somehow, line number 57, Xenon is a receptive vessel, and the aliens can speak to her and through her, but not to anybody else. As Xenon herself says, I don't understand why this is happening, but it works. And Ron and
0: I looked at each other and said, neither do we. (laughs) Xenon explains that the aliens are lost.
1: They're lost in space Mm -hmm. and they need the maps of our space day in order to get home. Yeah. And when they ask the aliens, why didn't you just tap, since you could tap into our computers, why didn't you just download the maps? The aliens say, well, that would be rude. Uh, that would be impolite. That would be stealing. We don't do that. Um, and everybody's like,
0: oh, they're uh-oh. so
1: good. <laughs> They're so good. They would rather die in space rather than like, these aliens need to understand that sometimes, maybe, oh God, uh, when, when it's life and death stakes, are the aliens mm. purposefully manipulating Xenon into a life and death situation so that they can say the word, may we please have your your maps? I don't know. I don't know. They're unknowable. So, z I by the way, I think this is the climax of the movie, although it may not be because there's another one coming. Oh, here's a fun fact: Protozoa not needed for any of this. Uh, <laughs> turns out that that when he's up there, he's like, "Oh, actually, I guess you didn't need me, love. Uh, i guess I guess uh, I guess I wasn't needed for this story at all. Good thing we spent an hour looking for you and getting you up here. <laughs> Well, well crafted. Mm. This is this is like this is like Frodo cr- climbs to to top of uh, Mordor, looking down at Mount Doom, and he actually sees there's like a pile of fifteen uh. rings there. Uh. Oh, yeah. They're already there. He just had oh, to yeah. kick them over the side. He didn't need to carry that one with him. Uh, yeah. um, okay, but they're back at the space station, but no one believes the eight people who saw the aliens uh, and then the aliens come back. They take all the parts of the space station that were jettisoned, put them back on the space station, move the space station back in orbit. We now know aliens exist. What are we going to do when faced... Oh, and Margie stands up for Xenon to her father. That also is a climax, although she is not our protagonist and but she does that.
0: Yeah, and and you know, the general notably is not wowed by the aliens the first time he sees them. But he has to take a moment to deliver correction and demand proof before being wowed by a rainbow alien and the proof that he just saw the rainbow alien isn't isn't enough apparently. <laughs> um But what do you do after this historic first contact?
1: I have to tell you, Andy. I was hoping the aliens would be Alf. I was hoping it was going to be Alf from Melmac. Going great. You guys got any cats on that? Ha! That's what I was hoping for. Oh, that's too bad. Too bad. Yes, but what do you do? You throw another rock concert in space. You have protozoa sing another (laughs) terrible song. You watch some. Terrible dancing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody says how Xenon is the second
0: coming and we should all worship her. You throw throw a wedding in there, too, because you have the commander and Aunt Judy get married.
1: They get married good news in the future when you get married no one spends any time picking out their wedding outfits you just throw on whatever is available like an old baby blanket is Aunt Judy is wearing like it looks like you know my my child had like a, a little rag we used when he had to spit up his milk that's what she's wearing as her wedding gown <laughs>
0: yeah yeah, I mean, um, and, and, you know, I mean, they, it's not like they have a bridal shop on the space day. I
1: mean, come on. and And, uh, oh, and Xenon looks at Orion, who is the boy in this movie, and it's like they're looking at each other for the first time, and it promises a romance, and promises in that romance, I guess, that there will be a future to this series, and then the movie ends, and then the audience weeps uncontrollably 45 minutes says, I don't want to do a podcast anymore. I don't want to talk about this movie. I'm done. I'm done, I mean, Andy.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's not, let's not belabor this, but, but I think this is a, I mean, it's kind of funny to watch. And I, I do this with like riff tracks. I do it with other movies, but like, I think it's kind of fun to watch a movie like Xenon on. Uh, to be like, what's what's wrong with it? And so that you do not copy those mistakes when you are writing your screenplay, right? Um, it, it, like I said, it's possible to have multiple dramatic questions, but you need a central problem and a focus for the protagonist. And the stakes need to equate to the drama. <clears throat> if a bunch of people can potentially die on a space station That is far, those are far higher stakes than if protozoa is washed up, right? No one cares.
1: I mean, you're, you are so generous to this movie because you're saying we can learn from it. But this is the equivalent to me of watching, of watching someone jump off of a diving board into an empty pool of cement. I didn't need someone to do this so that I could learn not to do Correct. this. Correct. And,
0: and like a good friend of mine always says, you know, it's just as easy to make a bad movie as it is a good one. So let's make a good one. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, this, this is, um it feels to me like a tv writer who doesn't really Mm -hmm. understand movie structure uh, movie structure this movie needs craves structure and like i said the beginning the first 10 minutes i was like oh we've got dennison medicine space this will be a fun little watch there's going to be all this stuff you know he's Commander Plank's going to have all the, and then we're going to introduce this problem of they're shutting down the space station, or they're converting the space station into a military operation, or what you know, something that that's going to be a problem. And you know, it's going to be a classic Dennis the Menace piece. That's not what we get here.
1: Here, here's literally what I think happened. They made the first movie, and they said, "Let's make the second movie." The exact same way we made the first movie. Let's do no post-mortem. Everything worked. Everything's perfect. So mm-hmm. we have all of the things that are still wrong with the movie, except with the first movie, in the second movie. But in the second movie, they treat them like they're features that we're looking forward to. The nonsensical language, that things are Stellar and that Zetus Lapidus, and, and... You're so pancakes, right? Yeah, you're so pancaked. Um... I mean, this is this is a world full of Gretchen Wieners from Heather. Uh, Not from Heather's from um, what's what's that movie? Darn it. Uh, You you know, the movie. Stop. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Uh, Mean Girls. Mean Girls. There it is. Mean Girls. The camera angles that made me nauseous in the first one where we're spinning around the room. And where I, I needed my Dramamine again for this one, the the plot beats, the 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 long sitting around, the the telling me that Earth is tremendously polluted, only to show me blue clear skies uh, and, and a beautiful tropical rainforest. It's it's everything that's wrong with the first one. None of it is fixed, and that makes this movie worse than the first one. Because the first one was a rush job. I have yeah. to imagine if you're making a sequel.
0: You've got time to yeah. fix these things, and they. Yeah, just- I, mean, I mean, at the very least, you could have asked some questions. You could have plotted your story scene by scene to make sure things are congruent. It Foiling would have fi- it would. Yes, it would have fixed the mess. I mean, arguably, Margie is a foil for xenon right sure but but marge, marge is sort of the
1: antagonist but also sort of the secondary protagonist who goes on Great. the adventure with her yeah if if you want to do if you want to say in the first movie xenon took on big business and in the mm-hmm. second movie xenon's gonna take on the military then do that but mm-hmm. you have to make the military a villain they need to be up to no good. If you want to say Xenon took on humanity and now the aliens are a problem she needs to solve, what what if the military is like it's an alien ship we got to shoot it down? But Xenon is the one who knows the aliens are good and benevolent. There are there's, there's yes. ways to do this. Yes, and make the story good. Again. The big problem I had with this first movie is we start in space and then we go to Earth and Earth is boring. In the middle of the movie, we do that again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in this movie, I just—I I'm willing to do the Santa Claus two next year, Andy. Uh, if I never—if <laughs> I never have to touch Xenon three. Uh, I, I'm good. Uh, Santa I might, Claus I might, all day I might long. have to
0: do it. I might have to do it as a bonus episode just to spare you that uh,
1: yeah, spare we- you that that pain.
0: <laughs> no I, I I do think though that there's a lot here that you you know like you can you have to have a, a point A to, like your protagonist has to have an arc. Xenon is the same person at the beginning and the end of this piece in a lot of the same way that, I mean, she, she doesn't change or grow really. Um, She doesn't, she doesn't, she's going to get, she's, she's her own person. Um, She can shift her want that initial want that she has can grow or change maybe, but she has all these things going on concurrently and it's just too, and, and so none of it matters. Like everything matters and nothing matters. Because we're going to, while the stakes are the highest, and I did that on purpose while you were talking, I interrupted you and said something sort of mundane, right? When the stakes are the highest, we go to something kind of like whatever. That's how this, it, 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 it yeah, it doesn't hurt and, it. It hurts itself and it stabs itself is, in the foot. And this movie is
1: constantly telling us, not showing us, yes. that we should love Xenon. Every single time. So there is. I realize, by the way, listener, that I'm referencing a lot of other media in order to avoid actually talking about the movie that I watched. But there's a famous episode of The Simpsons. It's uh, the one where they introduce Poochie. And Homer Homer makes a joke of whenever Poochie's not on stage, everybody should be asking, where's Poochie? Mm-hmm. And this movie kind of works that way. Every time Xenon's not on screen, people are saying, where's Xenon? Or mm-hmm. they're saying, how does Xenon do the things that she does? Or Xenon is so smart, so great. She's so determined. Xenon uh, can do anything.
0: Like everybody Zenon, such sa- a problem, right? We hear, there- we hear it, but we never see her acting in a way that would show us anything if anything i think the most the most um the most pathos we get with her is is when margie is pushing her around because you kind of feel you kind of feel like oh she margie's kind of taking her and and that you could make a meal from that right she has to stand up to margie yeah but but she never really does
1: she 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 never really does she's a little passive aggressive Mm -hmm. um and that's about that's about it um yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh uh, I don't know, Andy. Like, I
0: know you have solutions for this. Have you covered all your solutions? Yeah, I think, we- I, ha- I, think I have. I think, it, you know, set up that escape to Earth. If you've got to get to Earth, let's get there sooner, right? It, and- it, like, if, if, if Xenon is, a, and, and have it for the wrong reason. If Xenon's escaping to Earth to avoid Margie's blackmail, maybe, right? That's a good reason. But then, there is another problem because now she's on Earth and she's encountered this other thing, right, that she can't deal with. If also, you know, if the grownups can't solve all the problems and it's left xenon to Xenon to solve them, then the alien shouldn't be the one solving the problem. It should be Xenon. Xenon should be uh, dealing with all of that from the get go.
1: Also, you can't just take us back to the places we went in the first movie. No. So I would I would have, like, because they're fighting, Xenon and Margie throw themselves into an escape pod on the space shuttle. The, mm-hmm. the 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 escape pod lands on an alien planet, and the two of them have to work together to survive until uh, the space stay can come and rescue them. Yeah,
0: or a callback right? to the to the pong game, right? And somebody's playing the pong game and it's like, why is this happening? And they're and fighting sh- this pod, and the pod gets, you know, goes to Earth or whatever. That's cool. Now they're stuck together as but, uh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, my but my real solution to the Xenon franchise is we burn down the field where we grew the crops and then we salt the earth so that nothing can ever grow there again. Um like the the land should never should never see life again. Uh, there, there's um, just not it.
0: Protozo- it would be. It would <laughs> yeah. just be. I feel that way about protozoa. We could get totally get rid of protozoa, and nobody would be. Uh, nobody. It would nobody just has- be
1: better yeah. to yeah. build something from scratch. Mm-hmm. There, I don't understand what is the valuable part of this property that we need that we think is special and worthy of making a movie. If. It, all we need is Kid on a Space Station. That's it. We don't need any of the rest of this. None of what they did with Kid on a Space Station is good. Not not even the name of the kid is good. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's tough. It's it's this is a tough tough and and like you said if you're going to make a villain you got to make him a, a big bad because yep. General Hammond is not a big bad. He is and initially Xenon's kind of flirty with him, which is super creepy. She was
1: flirty with the with the head of the corporation in the first one. They literally were just like let's do a scene for scene parallel um, to that first movie. Yeah, you're they not went wrong. back they went back to look at the structure of their first movie and said this this thing that we made, uh we got money to do a sequel, let's just do it the exact same way. Let's just do it. Which, the is, same which is
0: kind of the pattern of television, right? Like, if you have a TV show that works in a certain format, right? You kind of, if it's episodic and it's kind of evergreen or whatever, you can kind of do that. That's not how movies work.
1: No, I hate this. And I don't no. like hating this.
0: I, I know. I, I'm not so, a hateful person. <laughs> so, we, we do need it. We need to, because we, we both hate it, um, we need to play the glad game. We need to play the polyamic glad game. Get okay. this. Get this thing in our rear view, and hopefully, listeners, we've entertained you somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. Somewhat. I, I would. I would venture that this podcast is more entertaining than Xenon. and shorter too. Shorter too. <laughs> All right, so the glad game. I actually kind of appreciate how ambitious this movie is for the budget that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. I really like like the special effects in the movie for the budget are kind of cool. The costumes. I know you kind of were bragging on the costumes, but they're kind of, I mean, sometimes some of them are kind of fun and I really do like the heart that the parents have for their kid outside of that. Yeah, I. I uh, mean, interesting I. Interesting. To what to you're I though.
1: wanna. I wanna go over the accounting of this movie because I am pretty sure it is a front for some criminal organization. But, all right. No, I'll play the glad game. I'll play it right. I'll all right. Play, it, play right. it right. Play it right. Okay. <laughs> I am glad, um, as much as I don't like the language. That they use in this movie, Stellinarius, Cetus Lapidus, uh, Pancaking, Sweat Minor, Aunt Judy. Uh, I did appreciate one thing uh, that Xenon said, which was she said, I'm not a moron major. Um, I like that. I like that. Uh, I think it's unintentionally funny. Uh, in the sense that, like you know, the thing that you would say is, "I'm not a major moron," but you're saying, "I'm not a moron major," and therefore pr- proving that you or are a moron major. Um, I, 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 I think, I think I might use the words "moron major" um occasionally over the course of the next several decades of my life, uh, as a sort of in joke uh, with just you. Um,
0: I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. That was, was a reach. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, Larry.
1: I so tried really, work. really hard to be sincere on that. <laughs> good work. Good work. I All am right. glad. I got one. I am okay. glad that Ravens Simone did not have to be in this movie. <laughs> she made whatever other movie she was doing at that time. I'm glad she made the right choice.
0: Her manager knew. Her manager knew. Her, for sure. Okay. What movie are we tackling next week, Larry?
1: I I need a I need a win again. Um. So we are going to do a <laughs> hundred and one Dalmatians, the live action movie with Glenn Close, oh, and I will I tell. It. I've never seen it, but everyone tells me it's so good, and I want it to be so good.
0: Well, Glenn Close is so good.
1: So I, I, I can't imagine forward. that I'm not going to like it. So yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to that one.
0: Well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor? Or if you don't like what you're hearing, you can share this podcast with another Disney or a classic movie fan. And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page or drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a Disney podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. Cetus Lapidus real soon.